We're going to bow our heads and pray before we get into this. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. We thank you that you're already here. We thank you that the anointing really is tangible. I thank you, Father, that you visit every hungry heart, Lord God. I ask you that you would open minds and ears and eyes to see, to perceive, to understand today, Father. That you would just use me, Lord God, any way that you see fit, Father. But I, I thank you that revelation comes into all of us today in insight. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. So, Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever you are that judges. For wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself. For that judges, you do the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Now, he says, therefore, O man, you are inexcusable. He said, whatsoever thou art that judges, wherein you judge another, you condemn yourself. But you could say, well, Pastor Steve, there's no condemnation for me, right? Because I'm in Christ. Well, that scripture doesn't say that God is the one condemning you. It doesn't say that Jesus is the one condemning you. It says because you judged another person that you just condemned yourself. It means that you just brought judgment upon yourself. I can guarantee you that any time you were ever going to speak an ill word about somebody else to judge them, to want to see something happen to them because of the way that they're acting, if you would substitute your name for their name when it's about to come out of your mouth, you would stop doing that. Because whatever in whatever capacity that you judge somebody else, you're literally condemning yourself. Do you understand that the way that Satan is able to get access to born-again Christians is because of open doors like this? When God would want to show you mercy through someone else because your relationship with Him is always good. He's never turned away from you. He turned away from Jesus. Amen. And Jesus said, Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? The reason that happened is so that you will never be forsaken again. But even though it would be God's will to protect you and to keep you, the moment that you judge somebody else, you just brought judgment on you. You opened wide the door for the enemy and said, here I am, judge me. And listen to what it says. And think thou this, O man, that judges with them which do such things and does the same thing that you shall escape the judgment of God or despise you the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance it's saying that the goodness of God is what leads a man or a woman or somebody to repentance in this verse, it's talking about long-suffering, forbearance of God. Let's pick up back at verse 3. I just read it, but we're going to read it again. And thinketh thou this, O man, that judges them, would, and you yourselves do the same things, that you shall escape the judgment of God. So you could say to yourself, well, Brother Steve, I didn't steal anything, or... You know, I didn't tell any lies. 
Actually, let's skip down, same chapter, skip down to verse 21. Romans chapter 2, verse 21. Thou therefore, which teaches another, teach not yourself. You that preach a man should not steal, do you steal? You that say a man should not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You that arbors idols, do you commit sacrilege? Well, you could say, Brother Steve, I'm not really idol worshiping. I'm not an adulterer. So this must make me qualified to judge then. Because what some people take out of this verse, it says, he says, who are you that judges another? For you that judge do the same things. Well, what if you're not doing the same things? What if you're not committing adultery? What if you're not stealing anything? Are you okay to judge somebody? Does that then qualify you? Let's read out of James real fast. It's James chapter 2, verse 10. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of it all. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now if you do not commit adultery, yet you kill, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak you, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of freedom, of liberty, for he shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. And mercy rejoices over judgment. So James is saying that even though you didn't commit adultery, what if you killed somebody? See, those are big sins in our eyes. So you haven't committed adultery. You haven't stole anything. You didn't kill anybody. So now are you qualified to judge? Does that make you qualify to judge somebody else? Because you didn't commit these things. Does it? Let's read another scripture before I explain. We're going to go back to Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whosoever you are that judges. For wherein thou judge another, you condemn yourself. For him that judges, you do the same things. Verse 2, But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth. The judgment of God is according to truth. What is the truth? How could you freely judge somebody else for committing adultery, but you messed up and got angry with somebody this week and lost your cool? You didn't commit adultery, but the Bible says that whoever's angry with his brother without cause is a murderer. So you just became a murderer under the law. So if you cast your judgment because maybe you knew that they did commit adultery, you cast your judgment against them. Listen, this is where the church messes up. You can judge what something is is wrong, but you can't judge the person on why that happened. Judgment means to condemn. That means you're the judge and you sentence them. And the reason why we went to, back to verse 2 in Romans chapter 2 is because the judgment of God is according to truth. Say you're driving down the road and you're going the speed limit. This guy flies behind you. He can't get over and you're not speeding up. So out of his frustration, he tells you you're number one and flips you the bird. And then you speed off and you say to yourself, man, I hope something happens to that guy. What happens? You just judged him. Was him flipping you off wrong? Absolutely it was wrong. But how do you know that he wasn't fighting with his wife earlier that morning? How do you know that his child wasn't sick in the hospital? 
See, you make the wrong judgment because your judgment's not according to truth. That's why God is the only one to qualify to judge. What if he was late to work? What if it was his last time for being late and he would have lost his job? Would that have produced frustration in his life? See, the outward expression of sin is only an inner battle. It's something that's already taken place inside. While what we see, the act of adultery, the act of violence, it stems from the inward part. That's the last expression you see. That's why it's called sin. But you don't know why that person was going through that to make the right judgment, which be, would be a judgment according to truth. So the next time, say you do judge the guy that's committing adultery, and you say, man, I wish her husband would find out and just you know, beat him so bad, or he should die. He's worthy of death. Or the guy that flipped you off, I hope he gets in a car accident acting like that, driving stupid like that. Something should happen to him. The next time you're in a situation like that and you're not acting right and the pressure's on you, the next time that you're going to need grace extending to you, even though it was God's will to extend it to you, you brought judgment on yourself. You condemned yourself. It's not God condemning you. You did it. Because the judgment of God is according to truth. And you don't know what you, you could say, well, I would never commit adultery. Do you know what demonic thing was working on a person like that to bring them to that point? And here you are sitting nice and snug because Satan hasn't tried tempting you or attacking you like that. And you cast judgment on somebody else. Guess what's going to happen when that temptation and that devil comes to tempt you? Because according to these scriptures, linked up with James here, in the manner that you judge somebody else, you yourself will be judged. And he said, because you who do these things do the same. And even though you ain't committing these acts right here that he named, James says that whoever's guilty of breaking one is guilty of breaking all of them. So what can keep you out of judgment? Not judgment from God. Listen, God's not the one judging you here. It says in the scriptures, we read it, when you judge somebody else, you condemn yourself. It does not say God condemns you. There's no condemnation for you in Christ, okay? But in the manner that you judge somebody else, you will be judged. So what happens with the guy who is committing adultery or the guy that did flip you off? How do you receive grace in the times where you miss it? What's going to keep you from falling into that same sin? Don't pretend that we're better than people. There's been mighty men of God who have fallen. The Bible says, talking about the adulterer, it says many strong men. Strong men. That, that's these people that know better. Many strong men has she casted down. That's what it says. Are you going to pretend that you're more spiritual than these other people that God used? Are we going to pretend that we're better than them? Or we're somehow more capable because we're smarter? The only reason why you won't fall where they fell is because you refuse to judge them. You can judge what they did is wrong. Yes, absolutely. But you were not in their position. And you're not the judge. Guess what you are? You're the one who's supposed to intercede and pray for them and ask that this destruction that they've brought upon themselves wouldn't come to pass. That God would grant them the acknowledging of repentance to the truth to recovering themselves out of the snare of the devil. 
That is a snare of the devil. When somebody falls into these traps, most churches, they want to push people out. They want to say, we can't have that in church. And the truth is, is that you can't have people doing that in leadership. People will have to step down. And it's not because you don't love them. It's not because you don't even like them. You're always for them. But without the acknowledging of the truth, without a repentant heart, without them willing to change, they can't serve because you can't have that sin running rampant in the church. That doesn't mean people have to leave. Because I'm not your judge. We're not your judge. You're not my judge. On the day of judgment, I will not stand and give an account to you, and you will not stand and give an account to me. The Apostle Paul says, I counted a very little thing that you judge me. He said, matter of fact, he said, I don't even judge myself. But he says, there is one that judges me, and his judgment is according to truth. There is one that judges us. His judgment is according to truth. The truth that everything you ever did has already been placed on Christ. And in the next life, you won't receive judgment for it. But that don't mean right now, if you judge somebody else, you yourself are not going to come under condemnation. Not from God, but from yourself. You condemn yourself. We're in the New Testament, right? We're in the New Testament. It says in the manner that you judge, you yourself condemn yourself. It's not God condemning you. It's not. Listen to this. It's in Luke chapter 13. We can turn there. Amen. Stay hooked with me though. Stay hooked because I believe that that God is going to shut doors that we have allowed the enemy to walk through because we've judged other people. And this is a very important message. It, It might not make you feel like screaming and shouting, but I can tell you what, when you're standing where other people fell because you refuse to judge that person, you will be screaming and shouting because of the goodness of God. Amen. Luke 13, verse 6. He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. Then said he unto the dresser of the vineyard, Behold, these three years I have come seeking fruit on this tree, and I haven't found any. Cut it down. Why is it just taking up ground? And he answered and said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also, till I shall dig about it and fertilize it. And if it don't bear fruit, Well, and if not, then after that, then we shall cut it down. See, this is a tree that's been planted in this vineyard, hasn't been producing any fruit for three years. And the owner of the vineyard comes and says to the vine dresser, cut this tree down. Why is it just taking up ground here, space here? This space is valuable. But listen to what the vine dresser says. He said, wait, give it one more year. He didn't agree that this tree was a rotten tree, that it hasn't been producing fruit for three years. And yeah, even though it's been there and it is real estate, this, this is, do you understand? This is a vineyard. This, this is real estate right here. If you're not producing fruit, then you're costing money and effort and time. But did the vine dresser, did he think it was robbing him of his time to waste it on this tree that's not producing fruit? Well, obviously the last three years it hasn't produced any fruit. Logic would tell you, well, why would we mess with it now? It's been three years. But do you know 
that Jesus is the vine dresser in that story? Do you know that he didn't want to see the tree cut down? What did Jesus want? He wanted to dig around it, fertilize it, put people around that tree that really do love Jesus. Put people around that tree that have answers to their problems. Put people around that tree that's not going to condemn them, that's not going to try to dig their roots out, but who's going to try to fertilize it. See, what we're supposed to be is the picture of the vine dresser in this tree. We're never supposed to say, let's just judge this tree. Let's just cut this tree down. Yeah, three years, three years in the kingdom of God, let's just cut it down. It's been here for three years. They should know better than to do that. What was Jesus' response? Get this tree out of here? No, let me help it. Lord, this should be your prayer for people you know in your life who's doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. Lord, let me help them. Give them another chance. Give them another year. Maybe if we fertilize them, put more people around them, help them. I don't want to see them go. This is the devil that's controlling their life. They're not even in control of their own life. Please, let me help them. That should be our heart. A word should never come out of your mouth against one of your brothers and sisters. I don't care if they've missed it big. You would have to be a hypocrite. Have you never missed it? Have you never did something God told you to do? Did you ever say no? In order to judge them, well, look at how they missed God. Have you never missed Him? I have plenty of times. I went left when I should have went right. I stayed on the wrong road for too long. I didn't even get on the right road sometimes. But guess what? I wasn't judging other people. And because I didn't judge them, I myself wasn't judged. So now, instead of my ministry being hindered for the rest of my life, I acknowledged the truth and I recovered myself because I had fertilizer around me. You're the salt of the earth. Amen. You're the fertilizer in the parable. You're supposed to actually fertilize people's lives when they're not producing fruit, when they do know better, when they've already heard the message. You're never supposed to give up on people. Jesus wouldn't give up on people. He said, wait, give them another year. Give them one more chance. I know they went the wrong way. I know they missed it a thousand times. But we can save this tree. I believe there's hope to save this tree. Amen. What if we were people like that? And we are people like that. Amen. You guys ever heard the phrase that uh, people that live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones? And you say, Brother Steve, my house is actually made of wood and straw. (laughs) You still shouldn't be throwing stones. Because there's a big bad wolf out there who's trying to blow your house over. And if it wasn't for the grace of God, you already would have been consumed. Do you understand that? The mercy of God. That you didn't receive judgment when you should have been judged. That you received mercy in the place of judgment. Because honestly, we all live in glass houses. Jesus said there's nothing that's done in darkness that won't eventually come to the light. See, God, when He accepts you, He completely wipes away your whole past and says it doesn't even exist anymore. That's why we call it a new birth, because from that moment on, you're born again. You're actually born again. 
And the new man doesn't look like the old man. See, the people of the world, that's what they do. You sit and listen to talk shows of people criticizing people, or you look on Facebook and they're mocking these people. That stuff disturbs me when I look on Facebook and see somebody making fun of somebody who was at Walmart or thinking they're better some way or somehow they're better because they don't look like that or they don't act like that or they have enough common sense not to go to a store like that. You know that grieves the heart of your father? And I hope you guys already have this revelation. I hope you don't have any open doors. I hope you're not sitting and watching talk shows that are constantly belittling people because that's what the world does. And Jesus himself said the Son of Man didn't come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. If your words aren't conducive to saving somebody out of something, then you should probably keep them to yourself. Otherwise, you're going to bring judgment on yourself. And God does not want you to do that. You can't judge somebody in an area and say, well, I'm not doing that. Well, what are you doing? Well, nothing that I can think of. Wait till what happens to where you didn't think you would do something happens and see if you got grace in that situation. Because I guaranteed you, you will not have the grace that God wanted to extend towards you. And it's not because He's punishing you. It's not because He wants to torment you. It's not because He wants to inflict your life with pain because to repay you what you did. No, the reason He tells you this is so that these things won't happen to you. There are warnings in the Scriptures. He, he's telling you not to judge another person because in the manner that you judge, you will condemn yourself. You will bring, bring judgment on yourself. And He says, because the judgment of God is according to truth according to truth. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I would never do that. And the truth is, is that if you were then in that situation, that is exactly what you would have did. And you could say, no, I wouldn't. See, you might be a tree that's been on good soil. What if that tree was on bad soil? What if that tree never seen the sight of the sun? You're going to judge that tree because you've been on good soil and the sun's been shining on you for all this time? You're going to judge that tree. You haven't lived a day in that tree's life. You don't know why in the world they do what they do. You can judge that what they're doing is wrong, but make a judgment about them and you're going to bring judgment on yourself. Because we're not called to judge trees according to Luke 13. We're called to save them. Amen? Amen. God has a perfect plan, a will for every one of our lives. Every one of our lives. And if I judge you for an apparent fault in your life, I would have to be acting like I don't have any. Some of the greatest things that I can ever say about the men of God that I esteem is that they don't want no praise. When you try to give them honor, they reflect it. They reflect it to the Lord. They don't seek honor one from another. This teaching that I'm listening to right now comes from, a, that I'm preaching to you right now, the, the majority of the revelation that I received from it comes from a man named Keith Moore, More Life Ministries. He has a 15-part CD series on mercy over judgment. If you ever want insight and revelation on why you shouldn't judge, 
Go download it. It's completely free. It will be a blessing to your life. I've heard him say before, listening to him, that there is some stuff that you can get away with in this church. This is what he said. But he said, if you're going to cause strife, division, you're going to have to leave. He said, that's one thing we will not tolerate here. Well, how does division and strife come? It has to first come from judging. You have to judge somebody in order to have strife there. It's the beginning stages. And I believe that. I believe that there's a lot of things that you should be able to get away with in church. But judging somebody, it's the consequences are so severe for your life and for the lives of people around you that you shouldn't even be able to remain if there's no repentance. It's the seriousness of it. Now, people get on the other side of the ditch where they start judging people for judging. Well, there you go. There he goes. He's judging me again. So I'm going to judge him. Something should happen to him. And the reality is, is that you're never called to be the judge. See, because at one point or another, you made a judgment towards somebody else. I know I did. I used to yell at the TV at preachers who were preaching the grace message. They weren't even preaching the grace message. They were teaching once saved, always saved. <laughs> and they were saying that if you sin, then you haven't really known God, that you never really made that commitment, which is absolutely a lie. So you're going to tell me that a guy can serve for 30 years, then he finds himself in a situation and he never knew God? He brought all these people to the Lord, but that he himself never knew God? No! He knew God. He still has a place in heaven. But the judgment of his sin is going to come upon him. And I can guarantee you 99.9% .9 of the time, if you link it back, it was probably because they were judging somebody else. Open the door of the devil to bring judgment on them. He condemned his own self. What could God do for him? The price had already been paid. The solution to the problem's already been provided. Because of judgment, we condemn ourselves. We bring judgment on ourselves. When we judge somebody else. Because we don't have all the truth according to the situation, according to their lives. I know one of the biggest things uh, I believe that why my Uncle Johnny came to the Lord was because he was surrounded with people that loved him. He was doing wrong things all the time. But love doesn't reveal somebody's faults. You know what I did? I prayed for him. Fervently prayed for him. Do you know that? I didn't judge him. I said, I've been preaching to you now for two years. You should know better. You've been in this vineyard for two years now. Mama, kick him out. It didn't happen. What happened? What sort of all this tree? This tree belongs to you. You didn't create this tree for this. Fertilize the tree. Help them. If I can do anything, let me do it. I'm willing to. Let me really be the salt of the earth. Let me really understand what grace is. Show me how to demonstrate it to people that don't deserve it. Why? Because he demonstrated it to me when I didn't deserve it. The Bible says that I was an enemy of God and I received grace. So what if somebody's an enemy to you? What should you extend to them? Grace.
no short of what God extended to you. Amen? Amen. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants us to understand the significance and the importance of not judging somebody, to be a fertilizer on somebody's life. Amen. To see that that life eventually produce the fruit that you know that God created it to be. And that tree wouldn't have been placed in your life had there not been a possibility that it could bear fruit. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Father, for the goodness that you have extended towards us. I thank you, Father, that this becomes a deeper revelation to us, that we never judge somebody based upon what we should have should, or thought that they should do, or, you know, what, even the lies of the enemy. I know that he's the accuser of the brethren, and that he can't accuse us to you anymore, Lord God, but he still tries accusing to one another. And I thank you, Father, that we won't fall for his traps, that we're not unaware of his schemes, that we're not going to condemn ourselves by bringing judgment on ourselves. That we acknowledge, Lord God, that the mercy, the tender mercies and grace that you extended towards us through all these years to bring us to this place is the same as available to them. Lord God, I ask you to help us to be salt and light as you've called us to be. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.